Right, good to see everybody this afternoon. We're going to um, expand a little bit more of the heart practices to uh, develop a practice that I call the illimitables, which is uh, the cultivation of compassion uh, and gratitude. Another way, say, another way to say that would be gratitude could also mean appreciation, or thanks. Uh, sometimes it's called empathetic joy, uh, but I don't find that word to be all that helpful. I really think that in the Buddhist tradition, this cultivation of joy is really the cultivation of gratitude, which is really uh, allows us to um, participate in, in the joy and the beauty of this world, which is so hard to do. And I teach these side by side. A lot of times compassion and gratitude get uh, taught as separate practices, but I have found over the years it's helpful to teach them actually in one, one session because we can really get a sense sometimes of how vast and how wide the capacity of our heart is. Um, so I teach them together. So as we are moving... Um, kind of in some kind of a progression you might have noticed is we start to be more aware of our affective uh, intelligence, affective, affective awareness. We talk about feeling. And so we want to try to, as much as we can, we can open to, we can access, we can feel into, we can acknowledge the range of pleasure and pain. Uh, and, and that in these qualities of heart, we have uh, capacities to meet those in a way where we can, um, we can, they can be held and they can be responded to. So this is more of the, the next stage of, of opening to the affect of the experience, but learning how to respond in a way that's skillful, in a way that's constructive. Uh, and these are called in the Abhidharma, which is the Buddhist teachings on Buddhist psychology, uh, they're called beautiful mental factors. There's a category of mental factors in the mind that are beautiful, in which there's 26 and there's only 14 unwholesome mental factors, so we're, we're, we're 12 ahead. I know it doesn't feel like it at times. Um, so when we um, start to become more aware of the challenges that we um, have, we uh, kindness, which is what I talked about yesterday, or whatever day it was, Metta is, these are all different kinds of metta practices. So the way that the heart practices are designed are kind of a mapping, a responsive map of experience. And they're all under the category of metta. So we, we just try to train in a way to bring kindness, uh, benevolence, friendliness to, to everything. Right? So it's an unconditional, boundless kind of friendliness. That's not, doesn't prefer objects over other objects. It's like when you sit in a room, when you sit, if you sit down with a bunch of your friends, five or your six friends, you don't evaluate which friend you like more. You're like, well, that's really my best friend, and he's number two. We don't, friendless, it's boundless, isn't it? It's just friendliness. We don't evaluate, we don't, we don't do that. That's one thing that's nice about metta, that in its unconditional form, it's just, it, all it knows how to do is manifest friendliness. And it doesn't double... It doesn't double think. It doesn't overthink. Uh, doesn't second guess. It just it just it automatically emerges as kindness, and it showers it over that object. Right? 
And so that's a, that's a capacity of the heart. So when we're in that capacity of heart, as we feel into and recognize a pain, unpleasantness, difficulty, challenge, that metta, it's still metta, but there's a, there's a little bit of a transformation where it leans, it starts to lean more into the caring side of the heart. Uh, I care about this. It's not, it's not just kindness, it's kindness and care. And uh, kind of compassion feeling with empathy we might even say I like I like and it's also we have to be careful that it's not about trying to fix sometimes compassion can masquerade as a kind of wanting to fix it's not wanting to reassure you know you ever been in that experience when we go through big loss in our life and it's usually polite but as being a recipient sometimes it can be really hard when you're when you go through something really hard and somebody tells you that everything's going to be okay you're like did you not know what's going on right now? Like, everything is actually not okay right now. Why are you telling me that things are going to be okay when they're clearly not? And it can also masquerade as a near enemy, which is something that can look like compassion, but it's certainly not compassion, which would be pity. We can pity others, we can pity ourselves, we can kind of get into the poor me. That's not compassion. It's very easy to confuse the two. So it's good that we know that there are these kind of, what they're called the near enemies. It's like, okay, watch out for this. It's not, it's not, quite, it's not quite there. The feeling sorry for oneself. The poor me, it's a kind of um, more of a suffering. And the other thing we talked about this in the group is we also have to be sure that we don't start to let our compassion masquerade as like fixing. So it's like we look at pain like, well, I'm going to have compassion for this and then like it will go away, right? Like, no. So a lot of times compassion in an embodied sense can, can, can feel kind of unpleasant or difficult. It's like it's because of what the compassion is holding and what the compassion is kind of merging into is so difficult. There's probably still a degree and there probably should be some degree of ouch still there. So we don't want to get into that slippery slope of thinking, oh, I'm going to bring compassion to this hard part of my life and then it won't be hard anymore. You know, that kind of deal we make. We have to watch out for that. So then that, that, that kindness can kind of merge into this quality of caring. And so we can, we can let the metta extend, metta calls to mind a kind of caring capacity when things are hard. We can meet ourselves in that kind of way, and that's that's. It's nice to be held in that field of of emotion. We could say that these are kind of Buddhist emotions. They're not on the standard list of emotions and science of emotions, but there's this kindness, there's the compassion. We have the capacity for these. You already have them. They came with the equipment. You know, they're not like these things. I don't have the compassion. It's like you do. It's just you know, not always easy to get to. And then on the flip side, right, this is why it's good, we also have this uh, gratitude. Right? And mudita is the word they use for it. And it's really difficult, it's a beautiful concept, but it's being able to participate in all of the joy and all of the beauty in this world without it needing to be yours. It's hard. You know, it's like, it also, it really starts to undermine some other big habits we have, like mudita gratitude destroys jealousy and envy and how come them and not me. Right? It's, being able to, it's being able to, when your good friend 
uh, has a success in their life or has a baby or has a relationship or has something that maybe you actually want and don't have. You can say, I'm so happy you want to, you know, because we rob ourselves. If it needs to be mine, how much joy and happiness am I not participating in? Like 99.9%. There's so much in this world that goes on. There's so much goodness and so much beauty in this world happening all the time. Although you're not going to find it in your Instagram or Facebook feed. You're not going to find it on Apple News. We, for some reason, we don't report goodness. I do this trick every once in a while. I'll like open up my Apple News. I'm like, I wonder how long I have to scroll before I get some message or some news that's even remotely positive. Mm-hmm. It's just like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> have you noticed that? It's so bad for us. Mm-hmm. No? There's so much. There's so many people doing so many good things right now that you'll never hear about. I had this experience a couple weeks ago. I was at the skate park with my son and his friend, and um, I had been looking at my phone, and I just saw that it was the, the shooting, not the one that just happened, but the one in Buffalo. And I kind of got this. I didn't really read it, but I kind of just kind of knew that it happened. I kind of got really like, oh my God, here we go again. And then about two minutes, not even two minutes later, 30 seconds later, two little girls come running up at me, like five and seven. And they're like, Kind of like not boundary, not that little kids are that boundaries, but they're just like, they're just like, yeah, you're cool. We're going to all be friends right now. They were just asking me questions. They were like right up in my face. And I was, I was like, you know, I was being friendly and talking to them and we got talking to them and talking to them. And then their mom came over and the three of us were talking. And I kind of was having this side conversation with the mom, kind of like, how are you doing? My kids in the park, kind of being friendly. And it turned out that this woman had just get these two girls in her foster kids. She just, she had them for like two weeks, right? And it's just like, and we're talking to the other parents where she, this woman went through all these programs in Colorado. Colorado has a really robust foster care program and she took all these trainings and all these classes and she had these two girls who got pulled out of their home because there was abuse and there was drugs and all these things. And I was just like, I told her, I said, I just want to let you know, like, thank you. Like, I, I was like, yeah, I teach meditation. I think I'm helping them. I'm like, you have two foster kids, like, in your home. And she's like, yeah, it's you know, not that easy. And we kind of got to talk about it. But I was like, okay, well, which is it? Like, you're not going to hear about that story on the news. Mm-hmm. And I was just in this, and, and part of the reason of doing these practices is we see, like, I was like, oh, there's this stuff going on in the world that's really tragic and really, really sad, right? And there's this stuff going on in the world right in front of me, actually. That's really, really beautiful and really, really important. And like these two girls are going to have this amazing opportunity because this one woman decided I'm going to take these, I'm going to take these two kids on. Right? And that's happening all the time in every single moment. Right now, there's probably something really tragic going on in the world. And there's probably something going on that's really, really beautiful. And so that's really where the heart goes into equanimity, which we'll talk about tomorrow. But we have to train in both. It's both and. The mind doesn't do both and very well. The mind does either the retreat is going good or the retreat is going bad. Or I'm good at meditation or I'm bad. It's like we're so wired for black and white. And so if we, so part of the the Buddhist view is that the reason why they're called the illimitables is there's no limit to the amount of tragedy in this world. No limit. And there's also no limit in the heart's capacity to hold that tragedy. There's no limit to the amount of compassion available. It's, it's illimitable, limitless. Right? 
just as there's no limit to the amount of joy and beauty and goodness in this world. No limit. And there's no limit to the amount of uh, the potential of the heart to participate in that. So these are practices that are about participation. We want to learn how to participate in both. So it's very active uh, practices. And they really, and this gives us the mapping of kind of the way Buddhist psychology works, the mapping of the heart as we try to bring kindness to the situations that we can. If the situation is challenging and it's dipping into the minor key of life, into the dukkha, the challenge, we try to transform that kindness into compassion. If it's a more of a joyous experience, more pleasant experience, more beautiful experience, we try to train the heart into uh, gratitude. And then we have this equanimity, this full fruition that says, yes, it's, it's both, all, it's all of it. Right? It's all of it, all the time. And it's just, and, and so when we talk about right view, we talk about right view a lot in Buddhism, we're kind of, the, that's, the, the, that's the perspective the Buddha's trying to get us to see, is that like, this is, this is how it is here. This is just how it is. It's always all these things all the time. So we want to be able to you know, participate in our humanity in that way. And it's hard. And interestingly enough, a lot of people find the gratitude practice to be harder than the compassion practice, right? which is kind of sad in and of itself. Because the thing uh, that we have to be careful of, that's uh, the far enemy to all the Brahma Viharas, is a far enemy to kindness, to compassion, to gratitude, and equanimity, is a feeling of unworthiness or undeserving. That, that, that's, that will deny access. That's the kind of the, 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 the security wall you can't get through. So sometimes these practices can trigger that if we have a sense of a, yeah, kindness is a good thing, but I don't deserve it. Or I don't, and so we have to watch out for, for that one. And so uh, there's a, a poem, a Tibetan 14th century, I always forget his name, wrote this beautiful poem where he talks about the Brahma-viharas and he relates them to cultivation. He says, out of the beautiful seed of metta, out of this beautiful seed of metta comes the bloom of compassion to be watered by tears of joy under the cool shade of the tree of equanimity. And this is this kind of opening, full opening into kindness, opening into the pain, into the sorrow and compassion, under the cool shade of the tree of equanimity. And as the Buddha says, even the cool shade of the tree of equanimity, the tree of equanimity even provides shade to the man who comes to chop it down. Imagine that. It still provides that cool warmth to the man who comes to chop it down. And so these are very aspirational, very, and so we we do we have, we have to understand we have this, we have the capacity to be able to do this. But you know, it takes it takes consistent training. It takes effort. It takes it takes some buy-in. So the structure of the practice is: um, we'll do a compassion practice for fifteen or twenty minutes, and then I'll switch it to gratitude. So it's great to kind of experientially to see, like, like wow, how big is this thing? You know, how much of the sorrow and the beauty can I take? Right, and you can take it all, really. And so I use very, very simple phrases because these are uh, 
everything I'm saying maybe sounds simple, but this is this is this is not generally easy territory for us. So I use very very simple phrases, and I use one of the basic building blocks of consciousness to try to get us to do that, which are known as the five aggregates. But really, uh, and so to just say that in a, in a very simple way is the first phrase I ask is, I see you. So part of that is we perceive ourselves, right? I see myself. And how do I see myself? Do I see myself through the lens of kindness and compassion and gratitude? Not all the time. Not as much as I'd like to. Right? So I see you and then I feel you. So the seeing of oneself, there's a feeling, feeling into the reality of, of oneself as we did all morning. So this is, you're a little well-tuned for this. And then I care about you. I see you, I feel you, I care about you. I see you, I feel you, I care about you. And then when we shift into gratitude, it's the same. It's I see you, I feel you, I appreciate you. I'm grateful for you. And so we just, so again, these are just experiments. There's this cultivation practices. It's, there's no, uh, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen, but we just, part of the buy-in is like to go like, okay, this, this makes sense. So these are, these are not ideas that we either agree with or that we don't agree with. They're not choices that we can make. I can't leave this retreat and choose to say, I'm going to meet all my difficulties with compassion from now on. You might aspire. And I think the one that's really, the one that's really, really important that we have is, is this cultivation of gratitude, especially now. Right? And again, this willingness to participate, to fully be a participant in all of the joy and all the beauty in this world without any of it needing to be mine. As the late Thich Nhat Hanh used to always say, happiness is available. Please help yourself. Take as much as you like. Right? It's totally here. Like, help yourself to it. Sometimes it wouldn't even occur to us. Right? So you can uh, take a few moments if you want to allow yourself to find a, a posture that feels good, good enough. <laughs> 